Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the next live interview for FTNX Academy. Uh, we're live streaming this across Facebook and YouTube. I'm here today with Jason Greystone. Jason Greystone is an entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and co-founder of Tier One Trading. Um, he's built and co-built multi-million pound businesses, both online and offline, and he's on a mission to help people live a more free and inspired life. Many of the um, others we've interviewed have actually said that Jason is their mentor. And Jason, your ears must be burning uh, because people have been bringing up your name a lot in the last couple of months. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's great to hear. I must be doing something right, eh? You're doing something right. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm, I'm really well, thanks. Uh, you know, can't really, can't really uh, get myself into too much trouble being locked inside my house. But uh, yeah, I'm grateful for being healthy and fit and loving life. Awesome stuff. So um, it would be quite, quite good to, to get a bit of a background on who Jason Greystone is. Okay, so um, Jason Greystone, I'm a, as you say, I'm a professional investor and a, also a professional trader, actually, in, in, in the financial markets. And all that kind of stemmed from a mission that I set out on as a, as a, as a youngster to try and get this financial freedom you know, which was, uh, which was kind of the, the buzzword and, and I think still is for many people, but, uh, I actually set out it with, with an engineer mind that I've got to achieve, uh, you know, a, a structured and tangible process of doing that. Um, and essentially it all stemmed from where I grew up. So I, I the first kind of, I grew up on a, on a council estate in, in South London, a little place called Hatfield Mead in uh in morden in surrey if anyone's from that that neck of the woods and you'll know it was a big massive council estate on london road and uh, i lived there from four years old right up to 18. and um when i used to on when i was about 13 14 we used to be surrounded by all these people on the estate and they used to moan constantly about money we used to all congregate around the steps on a friday night and moan about money and how evil it was and how only rich people are greedy and evil and all this kind of stuff and then this guy called roy would come around and he'd take the syndicate lottery round and go and do the lottery tickets and then for the next half hour they'd all spend this time going oh, what would you do if you won? And their eyes were lighting up and they'd spent it in like two minutes flat of how great their life would be. And I just remember thinking like, this there's something not right, you know? I didn't know what it was. I didn't know, like I didn't profess them to be kind of above them or, or understand why it was wrong. I just thought, there's something not right there. You know, there's some kind of conflict. And it was later that year that I did a little car wash and I managed to basically... Yeah, you know, wash a car. I, I, I agreed with my dad that I was going to 
raise half the money towards a BMX that I wanted. And then uh, I went and washed some cars. And I, I quickly realized that if I got some friends to wash some cars and take the money and then invest that into buckets and sponges and squeegees, and I could actually get four friends washing cars and then I'd get the money without having to do anything. And it was kind of this... I was 14. It was my 14th birthday. I got this mongoose menace, chrome mongoose menace with trick nuts. Went and picked it up. And I remember riding it back thinking, this is why people hate money. They're just not using it right. Like, there's got to be a different way to use it so that you can be more free and, and leverage your time. And and that's essentially how it started. My journey into kind of this quest for financial freedom started. And since then, I've been able to, you know, launch businesses to and invest and buy stocks and trade the currency markets. It's been a rocky journey wow yeah, incredible and you know again looking looking at your reason for doing what you're doing a lot of the a lot of the thing a lot of the times i kind of bring this up in these interviews is that i kind of see a pattern right a lot of people who come on here they've got a they've got an incredibly strong why they know exactly why they're doing what they're doing they're driven by something and and like like you said the way you look back you could jump, kind of join up those dots right yeah one one was the void of so with the, the position we was in, it was me and my mum till I was six and then I met my stepdad and he moved in. But up until that, I remember a big void uh, in security, not just from financial. Well, financial was, was a big part of it, but part of it was a, a father figure as well. And the financial security in particular, I remember like bailiffs knocking at the door and, you know, we had no electricity and things like that. I remember sat in the corridor when it was dark and feeling a little bit scared and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I remember thinking, like, I literally never, ever want that. I don't want that. And there was this lady called Denise that lived on our estate. And one day I remember her saying to me, you don't speak, uh, you don't sound like your mum and dad. You don't speak like your mum and dad. And it was because I'd made a conscious effort to start speaking differently and speaking with a different tone. And I was trying to almost trying to remove myself from from that kind of that spiral. And uh, and I said, I remember saying to her, that's because I don't want to be like my mum and dad. And I didn't mean it like horribly. Right. I just meant that I don't want to be in that situation and then the second step to that was when we found out that we was going to have our first son and and i did not want a son i did not want a child like i i, I made no um you know i was very honest about it i was like look i'm not ready i was 22 23 when we had him and i was like this is you know this is crazy this is the worst thing that could happen to me i really i genuinely thought that at the time and uh, I, I got my head around it and that's when I got the real rocket. You know, I was like, right, I need a plan. I need a plan. There's no yeah. way that he's having what I had. And I'm yeah. just going to, I'm going to put this plan in place. And I, I, I was methodically mapped out essentially 20 years into the future. Uh, yeah. And then the mission and the quest then was to reduce it down as much as I could. So it was like, right, I've got a 20 year plan. How can I reduce it down to 10? How can I reduce it down to five? How can I? And I was just continuously obsessing over this kind of, strategy of of reducing my uh you know my run to financial freedom <laughs> amazing i i, I, lo I love that um, additional drive as well from having a child right i mean oh, like God, i said yeah. you, <laughs> like i had, we had alexander siri on here and I, I was speaking to him afterwards and saying to him you know he was like he was like oh you know you've got a child you've got another kid coming this week i was like yeah you know we're expecting number two on the way this week and i was like but I've never worked this hard in my life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can work 20 hours a day. You don't need to sleep because, because so you know, true. that physical representation of your legacy is just about to come out. Right. Yeah. Right. It's so, so true. And, and the more you can put, like you start thinking about their future and, you know, mm. everything like one, one of the big things for me is everyone 
so financial i'm I'm massive on financial freedom and and wealth and and living an inspired life really and what the biggest trap i see people falling into is they come out of school not really knowing what they want to do and then they kind of jump straight into a keep up with the joneses so my friends have got a gucci bag my friends have got a flipping car my friends and and what they do is they then get a job to fund that instead of thinking what do i actually really love doing yeah. okay and let me just focus on what, what i'm naturally guided towards and i'll i'll naturally excel i'll naturally earn more money than anyone because i'm doing what i love doing every day so one of my big things has been able to support not just the kids as they grow up but giving them the, the time that they need to figure out what exactly what that is and supporting them along that way and then uh, you know then they'll be paying me hey they'll be be earning more money than me and they can pay me for my life there you go but it's really about living inspired it's really about living your your kids liabilities are assets right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, no that's that's brilliant i love i love i love the story as well you know it's such a powerful story and and it's it's fueled into what the success you've kind of built firstly for yourself and now the way that you're kind of teaching that into other people. And I, I know from a previous podcast we did together, um, you know, you've, you, it, it seemed like you were, you, you didn't enjoy edu- education and then you became an educator. You sort of led into it, right? It, yeah, very interesting. So there was a couple of things at school. One, I was quite, um, you know, I was quite uh, big at school. I was quite, you know, chubby and I was, uh, another thing, I wasn't very clever. So when I say clever, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not talking about smart. I'm talking about intelligent. So like, you know, academic, I guess. And I felt that I lacked intelligence and I felt that stupid in class. And I also felt, um, you know, conscious of my weight and everything. So as soon as I left school, it's really funny because when we stood down for the GCSEs, I decided I never wanted to do PE at school. I never wanted to do games or anything like that. And then as soon as we left school, I decided to run three miles every single day. And then I, I bought weights and I wanted to do all this. And then I got to a level where that almost came a little bit obsessive, but it was almost overshooting a, uh, a void that I, I thought was there. And then the next thing was teaching. So one thing I love is being able to stand around someone share some information with them and see a spark in their eye, you know, a little spark go off and yeah. a, a bit of a moment of inspiration in them where I think, you know, hopefully they go and do something with that. And I can see that they've, that, that may just shift the way that they look at something. And they, you know, I, I just, I'm a massive believer in learning from, you know, the greats learning from the people above me and then sharing with everyone who who doesn't know what I know? So uh, whatever I learn, I teach, I share. You've got a, um, I mean, I, I know you and I know your system quite well, so it'd be great to share that. You've you've got an amazing system, and you're very very disciplined with your approach to kind of handling um, investment, but also personal investment, right, in self development and that whole aspect. Yeah, I've, I'm, I mean, probably pretty much like you. I've I've, I've had uh, there's similar patterns in a lot of people that I. I you know, I talk to, but it's really about structure and routine for me. Um, and once you've got a structure and routine and you've got a, the, the habits mapped out, then it's really just a case of making it making it easy and making it difficult to fail. So whatever I take on, I make sure firstly it's structured consistently. And then secondly, I make it easy. So, you know, how can I make this really, really easy? How can I, how can I take out everything that's difficult about this particular task? Sometimes that's delegation. Sometimes it's 
like if you're if you're losing weight it's like buying packet packet salad so you don't have to cut food and make food sometimes it's like just if you've got to drink loads of water buying water bottles so that you can just make sure that you drink the water mm. and you know it's just things like that so even with trading and speculation and and the markets it's like i don't want to be trying to trade micro time frames which are very noisy i'm going to start learning the the less noisy time frames the higher time frame stuff and and i always kind of liken it to playing a guitar you know there, there might be the whole of metallica's uh album is played on four chords right but if you picked the guitar up and tried to play for the metallica song you'd probably you know you'd, for the first time ever you just <laughs> you'd sound awful right but if you just learned the g on a slow song and a c and a d and then you built the muscle memory then later on you can just apply that and you can play it faster and and it's mm. just a natural progression you don't have to so i'd always take things slow make sure that i'm building the habit and consistency um first and then I don't, you know, I, I just measure where I'm at and I consistently try to get better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've only recently started learning to trade. And, you know, one of the things that's really blow my mind is the level of discipline that a successful trader has to have, right? Yeah. You know, and, and they've got to follow systems. This is probably why you're really good at it because you're an engineer, right? So this is natural to you to follow systems. Yeah. And you're designing those systems. You stick to it no matter what, whether it's a positive or, or negative outcome, you you consistently have the same approach because you know you've got a winning formula, right? Yeah, I work with a lot of traders as well. And um, what we find is the there's a very strong pattern between the ones that do well and the ones that don't. And a lot of the people that do really well are engineers, um, military, or IT. And mm. when you think about those three things, it's all logic and discipline and being able to take orders um, you know, not being cocky, not thinking you're right, um, being humble and just a logic process. So if this, then that, if, mm. and thought syntax, and also it's about, you know, it's about ones and zeros. And when you focus on a process like that, it's like, well, how can I make it better? Because there's no lies. There's no, there's no subjectivity. It's all objective. So yeah. things that you can measure. And, and once you can measure things, it's not emotional anymore. It's a process and it's something that you can just, you can map out. Um, and even like uh, when I go running, like uh, even when I go running on my running app, I've got like uh, what worked and what didn't work. And I'll map that out every time so that at least I can see something and say, well, that didn't work. Why would I do that again? You know, and I can yeah, continuously right. improve. And it's there in writing. It's not like my emotions or my hormones or anything like that deciding what i do it's my plan telling me what i do not yeah, me right. so i put the work into creating a plan and then the plan tells me what i have to do it's not the other way around it's not like oh i think i'm gonna buy bitcoin today you know because i'm feeling a bit cocky it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really go down well in the market in your <laughs> wallet <laughs> really, really interesting um you know do, do you do you think that that mentality and process can be applied to business as well as trading Oh, absolutely. I, I just see trading as a business anyway. So trading, you know, as uh, trading to me is just like a business. The markets are my employees. The, you know, the the, the trade plan is my policy. Um, and I handle the money the same way. So it's like a profit and loss. And I'm focusing on profit over time. That's it. I'm not focusing on profit per trade or anything like that. And I say with this with anything if you can have a longer term vision and be okay with a, with playing the long game you're going to 
be balanced, you're going to be poised, you're going to keep calm, and you're not going to lose your shirt when things go wrong in the interim because you know that over time it's likely you know you're, you're going to come out with a with a positive expectancy so with trading i do that and in business i do that i weigh up the risk reward i weigh up, I weigh up yeah exactly the same as i would in in a trade except it's much longer term i love that and, and that brings us quite well into what i'd like to go into um especially when you're talking about, you know, ma you know, maintaining that kind of poised outlook on life and even when things are going well, when they're not going well and just having, having that consistent, you know, calm approach. Um, you've got a system in place for this and it's called the Tears of Freedom. Um, yeah. If anyone hasn't, hasn't, um, hasn't looked into that, Jason's in the middle of writing a book which should be published in a couple of months. Isn't that right, Jason? About three months. <laughs> three months. <laughs> I've been encouraging him to write this for a long time. But, um, but yeah, so... Jason, tell us a bit about the tiers of freedom um, and, and you know, take us through the level. So that's right. Yeah, sure. So almost like following the, the script of this podcast, like we had a script. But it's like when, when you want to build wealth or succeed in anything, the first thing that you've got to have is a strong objective. Because if you don't have a, a cause uh, beyond yourself, if you don't have a, a reason to do something, as you said, a why, um, you're, you're going to get stuck on those day-to-day, -day, um, you know, setbacks, people kind of people's opinions and fear and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a long-term objective and, you know, you know what you're going after and what you, what you want your life to look like in 20 years, 10 years, then things every day don't matter. It really doesn't matter because when you hit those things, it's like, well, how do I get you? You ask different questions. It's not like, well, oh, why is this happening to me? It's like, well, this has happened. How can I still get to my goal? How can I get around this? How can I, you know, how can I overcome this? Because this is just happening on the way to that thing. So, the first thing to the, the so what I did is essentially put together a program based on what I did from 22 years old to 29 years old. And essentially, what I did between 22 and 29 is I, um, I formed an objective. And then I reached a level of financial independence where I was, I didn't have to work. I had passive income streams and semi-passive income streams paying my living expenses. And that was it. At that point, I considered myself to be completely 100% financially independent, um, stage one. So there's two stages to that. So what I was finding is I was hanging around with a lot of entrepreneurs. I've always spent um, an allocation of my income on self-development and I was spending, you know, I was as my income grew, I was my circle of influence and the quality of my circle of influence was growing and growing in terms of mentors and things like that. And uh, I was just surrounded by people who were earning 300, 400, 500, a million pounds a year. And uh, they would come to me and say, and at that time, there was people earning much more than me, you know, and they were like, oh, what are you doing? I want to know what you're doing. And I was thinking, you've got some great businesses. Like, what, what have I got that you want? And I was having lunch with one of my mentors and, and they said they want the time. They want the, they want the time to be able to just take a step back from what they're doing in that busy job or that business and breathe and then mm. consider what their next step is. And I thought, right, so what I'm going to do is map out what I did from 22 to 29 because the thing is, there's lots and lots of different kind of in like partial wealth strategies out there. You know, there's the property guy and there's the the, the flipping um, forex guy and there's the stock guy and there's the crypto guy and there's the do this the drop shipping guy and the Amazon right and uh, 
And what I essentially did from 22 to 29 was was a series of investing in a very structured format from low risk to high risk. And then I would build one um, account, then I'd move on to a second account and structure that from low risk to high risk. And I'd do the same and the same and the same. And I essentially built this pyramid of robust kind of sustainable income, which couldn't crumble. You couldn't break it because mm -hmm. even if the highest risk at the top fell over, it would just fall over onto the next tier. So I'd mapped out this program and it all started with the objective. So the objective of having a long-term vision and i thought well how can i help people figure out what that is so we built some kind of really cool tools and processes to help people dig into their psyche and figure that out yeah. once they figure that out it's a case of then getting the mindset right dispelling any myths and things like that that, they, that are going to potentially hold them back and then structuring their personal finances in a way where you remove emotion so you know the more that they found that people who had to renew their insurance year on year about 86 percent of them didn't renew with the same company whereas the direct debits it was an, it was like an 86 percent difference so 86 percent of people just kept the direct debit going and those insurance companies that initially set those direct debit up when they first came out they were retaining 86 percent more customers than the ones that weren't and that's because of emotion when you have to make a decision around something financial mm -hmm your your emotions are left on the you know it's up to you to do something and when it requires money or a decision around money you you lose consistency right so it's really about building a, a foundational you know automated system around your personal finances that will then just be set up ready to go to build wealth as quickly as possible for whatever income that you pump in the top so then the question comes to how do you pump as much income in the top you build a a buffer of cash so that you've ease your animal brain and then you start looking at passive investments stocks then you look at business growth then you look at speculation and the tears of freedom program is designed to teach you those systems but with one thing in mind and that is li um, liquid assets growing liquid assets all the time and keeping liquidity leveraging your time leveraged income systems not you know working six in the morning till 10 at night climbing a corporate ladder, um, not developing um, kind of non-efficient systems in business. You know, uh, it's all about kind of high, high profit, high efficiency, timeless, spaceless, digital delivery, those kind of systems. And then how you can start putting in money into this funnel and then how you can take a portion of that and put it into speculation to accelerate returns and then give people a tool and a gauge so that they can see based on their own information to what day they will become financially independent so they've got something to go for and that's the that's the tears of freedom brilliant wow there's um and i mean you you could you could make a course on each each aspect of that couldn't you <laughs> i guess so yeah each part of it could be modules yeah or a course yeah um do you, are you able to i don't know if you can do this but do you have an iPad with you where you might be able to share a screen and show us how the buckets work? Because I think a lot of, for a lot of business owners, that's like fairly new information. Um, and seeing a structure like that could be super powerful and really insightful. Yeah, I could see if I can, can I even share a screen on this yet? Yeah, you should be able to, yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and share a screen. So I said, yeah, that is a great way to, um, 
to to kind of draw it out. It kind of a lot of light bulb moments go off when when you see it this way. But then yeah, again, a lot of light bulb moments go off when you think of of wealth in terms of time instead of money. Mm. So like, how much time can you buy based on the amount of money you've got? That's that's yeah, just definitely. asking that simple question can be like, oh my god! Like if I sold <laughs> my house and cashed the equity and invested it, you know. I, or, you know, or even if I sold my house, like how much, how much of my living expenses would that pay me forward for? And how much time could I have off? And what could I create in that time mm. instead of going to that job that I hate? Right. Yeah. Right. And, I and I've, I've explained it to like taxi drivers on the way home and you see them, they're like, Oh my God, these 60 yeah. year old guys. And they're like, I've literally never even stood back and thought about that. <laughs> like never. And I go, so you go to work. Like <laughs> there was one guy, he was like, Oh, I'm going to keep working in the taxi and working, working, working. Then, then I'm going to get to my goal. And I said, oh, cool. What's the goal? And he said, to buy a big house like yours. And I went, oh, cool. And I said, what are you going to do then? And he went, and he could almost see like he hadn't thought. And I was yeah. like, what's so he just going to keep going back to the cars then? And 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 why your house sits empty and, and, and going out taxi happy. driving all day? <laughs> yeah, right. And it was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. So it's crazy. Let's see if I can... Um, see if i can yeah do guys if you've never seen jason go jason go through this before this is it's really really cool you know that you're gonna you're, this is a really practical insight into into how you can distribute income as it comes into your business but also into your into your personal life as well so that you can build a buffer so that you do have a an aspect um, or, or, a, or an allocation towards self-development and and essentially it guides you into how you can become financially free it's a really really cool system um yeah, if you can, can you see how to share a screen on that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's going to let me share my iPad. No, probably probably not, mate. Actually, what what we could do is um, is just put the link to to the video that I did on it with the yeah. illustration. Yeah, we'll put yeah. that in the. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. That, I don't there's a really good illustration here, guys, that we can actually share with you, which, which takes you through the whole thing. Unless you can do it on your, on a, just a pen and paper or something, can you? <laughs> it's just a bit tricky with the old webcam, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't got a pot, I haven't got have a, you not, have a, you not a got GoPro you, like you, you, you can stick on the head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll put the link in, we'll put the link in. But essentially, look, let me explain it. So if you imagine we've got a bucket up the top, which is essentially the first bucket that everyone's got, and that's kind of like your bank account, where all of your income comes in. And most people have got one one of these. And if you imagine the bucket up here is has got a leak in it, and what's leaking out is your lifestyle expenses. Okay, so every month the money fills in the bucket, and then put money pours out of the bucket, and you don't really know where it's going, or for most of most people don't really understand where it's all going. They haven't got tabs on it. So the first step, if you imagine, is to put a plaster on that leak. Okay, stop the bleeding. I call it. And when you're in the uh, when you're in the army and you're out on the field, the first thing you're told to do is stop the bleeding. Because if you drag the person off the field, you know they'll be dead by the time they get there. First thing is to stop the bleeding, then get them off the field. Um, if you stop the bleeding and control that lifestyle cost and understand what's going out, then you can kind of put a little tap on that to control. Now, of course, when the income comes in the top bucket now, the bucket starts to fill up more. And when we reach a certain threshold, which I call the three to six months living expenses, we can open a second tap on this side, 
that then filters into a investment account. And what we do is we fill the investment account a little way, and then we start pumping money into passive investments, okay, that will produce a return of seven to 10% per year until the point, right? And, and that's the very basic structure of it without going into all the other buckets. And you'll see that in the illustration. But essentially what we're looking to do, if you imagine this investment bucket, that is compounding and compounding and compounding until the point when you can turn a tap on in this one, and that will kind of hose out into the top bucket and pay your income. And then the primary income that came in before from your job, you don't need anymore. So a very kind of simple glance, that's kind of what we're working towards here, but there's many, many more buckets and it's very, very simple. You'll see in the, uh, in the, in the video there, but that's essentially how I, you know, how I see it. It's, I, I want to live off of the, the passive returns that don't require my time. And I don't want to live off the active and, you know, immobile returns that most people live from. Yeah, definitely. And then when you, when you watch this animation guys, which I'll post um, after the live, you, you're just some light bulb moments will just go off. And, and the coolest thing about this is when you actually do it, when you actually do what the, what the animation says, then the real life animation, the real life light bulb moments go off because you know, it's, it is completely life changing for your business and, and for you as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me massively through this this crisis. So yeah, a massive thanks to you, Jason, Amazing. for your insights and insights and help with that. Um, I'd love to I'd love to go into um, your your theory on business and business of the future. Um, I'd love to go into timeless and spaceless businesses. Cool. So I've always been a, a massive. So you probably know by now that everything's about leverage of time. So. For me, um, anything that can, anything that can reduce your, uh, you know, your requirement to be physical in a place, um, using products and services that are um, decaying. Okay, so when, when, when I, let me let me talk a little bit about that. So when you when you look at the the balance sheet of a business when you look at a stock or you look at a company or you look at a set of an accounts from a business you'll see a property plant and equipment allocation and the value of the business the, the price to equity ratio and the price to book ratio and the calculation of when a business is doing well is very much based on how profitable a business can be without using property plant and equipment in other words, without using things that decay, without using things that when you buy them, they're rotting, like this microphone, it's going to rust, right? The brick is going to decay, the desk is going to break, the roof tiles are going to snap, the patio is going to break, right? The fence is going to crumble. So as soon, so as soon as something's installed, it's decaying. And the mines that built that thing are onto the next version the iPhone 5, the iPhone 10, the iPhone 11, and as soon as it's released and it's in your hand, this is breaking and cracking and getting fingerprints on it and the camera's starting to play up. And uh, Do you know what I mean, right? So I've always been a fan of thinking of, of, of businesses that reduce that need to have physical property, plant, and equipment, but also that are timeless and spaceless. So first of all, wear and tear. Second of all, timeless, spaceless. And what I mean by that is if the easiest thing I can think of is the Blockbuster. Blockbuster and Netflix, right? When Blockbuster was doing the same service, 
in terms of product, it was a film at the end of the day, but you had to get in a car, you had to get some petrol for the car, you had to drive to the shop, you had to park, you had to pay for parking, get out of the thing, walk around the shop for an hour, choosing a film, get a load of popcorn, get back, right? All that. And then go back the next day to take it back and get fines and all that kind of stuff. That meant that you had to travel very far and it meant that you had to, you know, spend, you, you had to spend more money. It was like five pound a film or six pound a film or something. When Netflix came along, all they did, they didn't make a better film and they didn't provide more films. What they did is just reduce time and space. So for me, evolution is a move towards less time, less space. Things are becoming less, you know, less complex and things are becoming um, more ordered. Okay. So any business that works on those principles will do well. It's the same with Amazon. Amazon are, they sell everything. So you don't have to travel to every shop. So that reduces space. And then they, and then they literally just work on how quickly they can get it to you. But that they're obsessed over that. The one click, they're obsessed with drones and getting things instantly to you same day. So that all they're doing when, they, when he says we are customer obsessed, what he means is we're obsessed with reducing space and time with our clients. That's it. And that is all they do. It's not the product. The product you can get anywhere. Mm. It's, it's reducing that time and space. So for me, I've always been about leverage of time. So any business or system that I create, I want it to work. I see my life like Tetris, where I'll create something that's a bit clunky that will fall in. And then I try and match it and fit it and compact it in to, to save as much time as possible so I could drop in another block, right? And I want to do that over and over and over again. And, and the way to do that is to think about online businesses and digital delivered services and things that can be delivered 24 hours a day, things that don't require opening hours. Um, you know, so, so I'm very much an advocate of online business, evolving business, um space and time but i i am a massive believer that you have to provide you know maximum value you have to literally provide you have to provide value to the point where people want to tell others about your product or service so that's a big focus that, that's the only focus so in terms of quality and value i want other people to tell other people about this and then in terms of delivery fast quick don't have to travel anywhere that's it and when you match those two you don't need marketing you don't need sales it's just you know it's like a it, it, it's like a flywheel amazing yeah it's 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 such a brilliant um philosophy that and i think um i think if you can kind of gear your business towards timeless spaceless in in the next in well, in the next year but in the next 10 years i think you're going to see a, a lot of success you know and um, what would your advice be to to small business owners who are, who are in this group? Um, they've been adversely affected by by the lockdown, by everything that's going on globally. Um, and you're, you're coming at this, you're coming at it with this new approach of, of timeless, spaceless, building a buffer, all this different stuff. Um, what would be your 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 kind of steps, if you like, that they should take um, in order to secure what they've got um, and set them up for a for, for a great decade ahead? Right. So the first thing I would say is, is get your finances in order, Like, make sure that if you got stung this time, set up the system, set up the foundation. Don't wait. I, I get so many people saying, I'll wait till I've got some money and some income before I start saving or before I set mm -hmm. up that uh, structure or before I start investing. Do not wait. 
right? Set the thing up. Imagine you're just setting it up like, um, you know, just ready to take. Think about this, right? Think about you're out in a desert and you're literally it's about. It's quite easy for a lot of us, by the way. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me, let, let me try and picture that. <laughs> Think about you're stranded in the desert, right? And you've got. Um, all you've got around you is like some old containers and some buckets and all this kind of crap. And you're, you're really, really thirsty and you're just praying for rain every day because you're just about to die of thirst. Right. And then all of a sudden it rains, it all, it all rains, right? All the, all the, the clouds open and it's pouring down in the desert and you're just stood there with your mouth up to the sky. Right. <laughs> and what you didn't do was get all the buckets that have been hanging around and have them ready to catch all the rain, right? So what you end up doing is drinking for about half hour <laughs> instead of filling a load of buckets that will then pro provide for you for potentially months and months into the future. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So think about it like that. Don't think I can't do it until I do this. Think about that's the priority. Set that up. Then when it comes in, I know I'm good to go. So that's so, the first uh, thing. A comment here from uh, Shivani. Um, also, if, what if all savings are, are depleted and you're starting from scratch? Well, I guess it's the principles of developing that structure, regardless of your current situation, right? Absolutely. Like, even if you've got no money now, start from scratch, set up automated banking accounts, right? So savings, and not you don't have to automate them until you've got income coming in, but set up the segregated account. So set up a savings account, allocate 10% into that, set up a, a buffer account, um, set 10% into that until you've got a three to six months living expenses. Um, set up a self-development account, which is something I do, 10% into there, which means that you're going to have an intangible income growth because whatever you, if you say, right, I've got 10% of the income that comes in, I've got to spend this on a Audible membership or a book or a, a webinar or a course and you spend it, you will have more ideas to then go and put on paper to then go to the next step, which is create a product, right? So the first thing, if you've got no money and you've been depleted out, is go and serve people. Like that is the easiest thing to do. It's it, There's nothing stopping you from going to help people, going to serve people, creating an amazing product that will go and give value to someone. And then the next thing is people say, well, I've got no value to give. Well, that's not true for a start because everyone, there's always uh, someone that's kind of underneath you in terms of um, there's always something that you've got that someone wants to know how to do, okay? Um, and second of all, if it is really, really true, then just go and skill up, right? Go and read. Go and, you know, just go and read something, go and learn, put your money into going to learn something that's in an area that you enjoy, uh, not a drop shipping, not a flipping, you know, not all that, not something that's going to try and get rich quick in the short term, something that's aligned with what you actually like doing. Um, and then go and build an amazing product. Go and ask people how you can serve them. Don't spend, literally don't spend a penny. This is how I've launched every single business without spending any money is ask people what they want. Ask people what they want. This is, you know, this is exactly what I just spoke about when I designed hanging around entrepreneurs. I was like, mm. oh, right, they want that. Okay, what else do you want? What else do you want? And then you start pitching it. It's like, oh, it, well, huh? I've got this thing coming out soon and it does this, this, and this. And you see their faces and like, oh, tell me when that comes out. That sounds amazing. And you're like, 
what else would you like in it if it was to come out? And they're like, oh, it'd be good if it had this. I was like, if I, if I was gonna, if I was gonna make this thing, <laughs> say, say my friend was gonna make this thing, and <laughs> but it's true, right? You don't have to spend yeah. any money. Well, you don't have to- I think I think a lot of people guess, right? They they come up with this idea and they romanticize about this idea and how amazing this idea would be, but they don't actually test it by having conversations with people or getting feedback from the market before they launch no. it, right? No. So there's no there's no testing phase. There's just idea and the reason there's no testing phase is because the most important step has been skipped and that is build a buffer of cash. That is it. Build a buffer of cash. Uh, there's a return on investment just from having three months expenses in the bank. Yeah, tell, tell us about that. Okay, so put, let's, let's, let's imagine. So this is something which a lot of people can't get their head around, which I, I, I find really interesting as well. Imagine you've got 20,000 pounds and um, you're like, right, cool, which is going to give me 5% a year, right? So you could, you could get 5% a year of 20 grand, um, but instead you stick it into cash. And Jason, tell us, tell us you know, a little bit about the return of investment on just holding it as cash. Yeah. So if you if you just manage to save, I get this all the time. Oh, I don't really want 20 grand just sitting in a bank. I don't really mm. want 15 grand sitting in a bank. It feels like a lot of money. It feels like I'm wasting uh, lost returns. Right. Let me let me tell you that if you put that money into the market, it's lost anyway in terms of your animal brain. It's in a it's in a world that you don't understand necessarily, mm-hmm. and there's no way that you are going to allow it to sit there and produce the returns. And when, even if it does, it's gone. Your liquidity's gone, right? You've got no liquidity, which means you've got to still go and scramble around and scratch around and and try and figure out how you're going to bring more income in. Let's just say that you've got 15 grand in the bank, right? I'm going to give you two examples. Let's pretend that I'm a um, a builder. And I, I'm a builder. Work. I've done some work on your house. Okay, so I've come around as a contractor and I've fitted out your kitchen, and I haven't got any cash buffer. And towards the end, you say, I'm, "I've snagged some of your work, and I'd like you to come and take a look at it." Right? I have no money in the bank, and immediately my back is up, and I'm coming round to you aggressive. I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? You know, what what's wrong? Like, I need the money. Pay me the money, or I'm going to take you to court. Like, I need the money." Right? I see this all the time. And what do you think is going to happen? They're probably going to pay you less than you would have got. You're never going to work for them again. They're never going to recommend you. And you're going to churn through customers doing that. Mm. If you just had that cash in the bank, this is how you'd approach it. I'm going to snag some of your work. Fine. No problem at all. Let me come around. Let me make sure that this is all good for you. I, in the back of your head, you're going, I can live for three months, even if I don't have any income. Mm. So you're like, I want to make sure that this is a good deal for both of us. I want to continue doing work for you in the future. You know, I want you to recommend me. I'm going to make sure that I come around and everything's sorted. You go around, you sort it out. They're very happy. They recommend you to all their friends. You work for all of their friends. You become oversubscribed to their friends. You can charge more. You know, you don't have to look for work ever. And that return, that's one example. But the way that you speak to people, the way that you speak to your family, your partners, your your wife, your husband, your colleagues, your staff, your mm-hmm. boss, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to work with that cash going, I don't need the paycheck. What I'm doing is I'm thinking, how can I make this business better? Yeah. And the creativity that comes that gets activated from your brain from having that cash buffer will provide yeah. you with a big, big return. Um, so that's my advice on that. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's almost intangible, right? The, you can't put a finger on it, but 
you know, you've highlighted all those things which are mostly psychological. You know, the, the, the return, yeah. is, it's a lot of it is down to your mood and the way you approach different things and the way you essentially kind of approach your life. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It just comes down to survival, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, so, and so, you know, while you might put that money into property or something and you get that fixed return, you know, ultimately, ultimately you won't have all of those benefits um, that you've yeah. listed, right? And also, if your money's in the market, you just don't know what's going on. Like, look, lots yeah. of people that put their money in the market, they're they're jeopardizing their survival instinct um, mm. of of um, of breaking that system because they're, yeah. they're just they don't understand where the money's going or what it's doing. And when people don't see the stock market as people out there serving people, right? You know producing things that we can do this technology on and yeah. going out there and asking themselves how can we serve the world mm. today? they don't see it as that they see it as ones and zeros on a on a, on a statement and by by seeing that it's like well I, i'm just looking for numbers to go up and down every day they're not thinking mm. in terms of there's human beings behind these companies right so yeah. um, they, they're uninitiated and by putting everything they've got into the markets, they're not looking at it like that and they don't understand it. So they'll just end up taking a loss or as soon as it dips, they'll pull their money out. They'll be back to square one. Yeah, definitely. I, I think unless you're, unless you're, you're highly educated within a, within a certain type of market, whether that's property trading, whatever it is, stock shares, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be subject to your own emotions, right? Totally. One, of the, one of the questions here from Sabrina, which, which might help add a bit of clarity is um, what's the animal brain? Right. So the animal brain, when I refer to that, is the oldest evolutional part of the brain called the amygdala. And I've studied this for many years because I've, I've, uh, I've, tried it, I've studied lots of psychology and trading. Um, and what the, amygdala, what the amygdala does, it just tries to keep us alive. So in very basic terms, it's a survival mechanism and all it wants is us to be safe. So if you go back to when you was a, we were living in caves, okay, what we do is if there was a if there was an apple tree and we needed to eat and there was a lion and then there was a cave behind us we would run to the cave to avoid the lion before we go to the apple tree to eat all right and the reason for that is because evolutional uh, from an evolutional standpoint we're more fearful than we are greedy and this plays out if you don't believe this right i i encourage you to go and look at a chart of the last 50 60 years of the stock market okay and look at every crash and every recovery period and what you're going to see is a saying in trading and investing that the the the, um, the bears jump out the window and the bulls take the stairs and mm. you see that exact principle play out in the markets time and time again where you'll see the market crash which we've just done and then you see the recovery period take a long long time it's like on average over the last 90 years on the last um, nine recessions the average is about three or four years so what you don't see is a perfect v what you see is kind of a tick a tick mm. shape where we crash and then we climb 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 and it takes a while for us to get you know a bit more courage and a bit more um elated and kind of the confidence to start spending again um, that's why we have stimulus and things like that. But that's what you see. That that is human evolution and human psychology printed in the markets. That that market participant reaction is there for you to see, witness time and time and time again. So, if humans human behavior hasn't really changed much in like three thousand years, human psychology. <laughs> so, if we're more fearful than we are greedy, what we want to do is work on on easing that fear, stopping us from you know telling it that it's going to be okay. And the longer you can say it's going to be okay for, the more confident, the more opportunities you're going to have. So mm. for instance, 
when we're crashing, when the market's crashing, I'm looking to buy more, whereas everyone else is looking to sell. And when yeah. the market's, but in the in the same instance, when the market's overinflated, I'm looking to be wary of how much I'm putting in because I know there's likely to be a crash. And I'm again, I'm looking at the 50-year mean growth of the market and mm. how far above and below we are from that mean. So yeah, right. again, animal brain. That lot, that kind of long-term view over the whole over the whole thing just dilutes that animal brain approach, right? Absolutely. I hope that made sense. It was kind of a long. No, it made, makes sense to me. I, I, hopefully that answered the question. Um, Serena says, thanks for answering, Jason. So I think that one um, was awesome. Um, let's have a look. We've got some really good questions here, guys. So I'm just going to skim by. You probably can see on the right-hand side, Jason, all these questions buzzing in. Um, so this is a great question from Sabrina again, stealing the show. <laughs> uh, what's been the best self-development return of an investment you've made? Great question. Uh, best self-development return on an investment, uh, self-development. Okay. Um, I guess the best self-development return was having a, this is kind of a bit of a cop-out answer, but it's having a, a commitment to having a self-development allocation. So uh, literally deciding to put 10% of your income into, into self-development, which grows and grows with your income, which again, it's intangible, but having that in place and sticking to it and giving yourself permission to literally you know, spend that money on self-development mm. is probably one of the best things you can do because that will scale yeah. with your income. And the more income you get, the bigger the allocation is, and you just keep spending it and keep spending it. In terms of, uh, you know- Courses, books, education. Yeah, sort of I mean, look, the best thing is probably the, the most- obvious is like an audible membership right we just get yeah, right. through books it's like six six dollars a month and you can learn from i see books as like a, a snapshot of a great mind that's just been frozen into five hours so yeah. you can literally download their entire life in five hours into your head so yeah, that's cool you know, the more you want to do the more you do that the better are you one of the i mean i mean i know you love to to, to uh, be timeless and spaceless are you one of those guys who speeds out the audiobooks by three Actually, I, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a video on YouTube on how to read about ninety hours of books a year without changing your life at all. I'll give it, can I share that little tip? Yeah, go for it. Let's hear it. So the best thing you can do is go and get an Audible membership. It's going to cost you six dollars a month or whatever it is, and then go onto Amazon and get one of those um, little Bluetooth speakers that you can stick on the wall in the bathroom. And every time you go to the toilet, you probably spend 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the toilet or having a shower or a bath. Literally just connect your phone to it and listen to that, that, that book. And if you do that over the period of a year, it racks up to something like 90 hours of, of reading. That's wow. without going to 1.25 speed, which I always do. And that's without <laughs> any other commuting. So if you get in your car, it connects to the radio. If you get on the, if you go for a walk, connect to your earphones if you go on you know and you can literally churn through books without even sitting there and reading or taking any time out to do anything different than you would in your life amazing so, so i mean you know you could easily get through a book a week doing that sort of process guys and, and it's just from having Very a shower right. like you're gonna have a shower anyway <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it isn't it but then at what point does it does it do you kind of get that balance of creating and consuming, right? Where do you, where do you find that balance? Yeah. So it all comes back down to structure, I guess. Like mm. I've got 11, 12 calendars and each calendar, it represents a different area of life or habit. And, um, 
I get told like a business plan, like a trade plan. I get told when I've got to do each of those things. So, mm. you know, now's reading time. Now's gym time. Now's family time. Now's date night. Now's, you know, and, and although it sounds regimented and structured and there are blocks in between all of that stuff where you can just be spontaneous and random, <laughs> but by setting that uh, structure up, it makes sure that you stick to it. Your walking can be a lot of people have um, have lists for big things they want to do, but I have lists for when I'm non-productive. So if I'm going for a walk, I'll look at a non-productive task list that I can do while I'm on a walk. So that could be listening to an audio book. It could just be go for, a, you know, have a think, you know, have a have a plan, look at the trees and kind of get ideas mm. and just dedicate that walk to thinking and yeah. and it really really helps like if you focus on thinking and planning you'll think and plan if you focus yeah. on you know the downturn in the market you'll find debts knocking at your door and all that kind of crap that that's what seems to be what i find yeah definitely you know the, the, the thing that kind of strikes me about you is a lot a lot of people go through life and they, and they have a rough idea of what they want to do but you know, and, and life tends to happen to them, right? They tend to, it tends to happen to them. They react, they deal with things as, as they go through. But you've got such a structured a, approach, you know, to the way that you run your day. I mean, 12 calendars. Who's got 12 calendars watching this now, right? Every, everything is very, very structured. And again, it goes back to that kind of engineer roots, I reckon. Yeah. Um, so re really interesting. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, it gets shit done, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It gets shit done and it moves you up the, um, you know, the leadership triangle you know it's, it's you don't see so if you think of like i i kind of like there's a, a, a example my mentor uses um where he talks about if you imagine how far people can see into the future how how far people plan and for most people like you say it's like what are you doing tonight and then like, i don't know i might watch walking dead or something and then you say mm. oh, what are you doing at the weekend and they go i might go for a beer you know to celebrate <laughs> week at work and just get away and then you say well, what are you doing next next week next month and they're like yeah oh. you know what are you doing next year i don't know no idea you know and you know things just happen kid they have a kid and it's a surprise yeah. yes and it's a surprise and things just get thrown their way and they're kind of having a dodge or handle it as it comes at them whereas if you if you imagine the um how far you can see into the future a bit like what i said at the beginning and plan into the future will will give you a structured way and a, and keep you balanced and poised and see everything that happens day to day is is on the yeah. way right so uh, uh, the example is this if you imagine factory workers okay who are doing a task that takes three minutes right and they're going right this takes three minutes three minutes three minutes three minutes and they're doing the same job over and over again, they're normally thinking day to day, right? Then there's a manager above them, like the factory manager, who can deal with complexities in those factory workers. And they're thinking week to week. They're, they're thinking week to week. And then there's like a, a an upper manager who's thinking month to month. He's thinking about the reports and the, you know, managing the managers and then there's the ceos thinking year to year and then the, the visionaries like elon musk and richard branson they're thinking about interstellar they're thinking about hundreds of years into the future and they're not worried about comments on twitter <laughs> they're not worried about like uh you know people 
bitching about them or anything because they've yeah. got that big vision. So they know what their life should look like year on year on year. Now, on the flip side of that, um, I, I, I do believe that, you know, if you if you knew what your life was going to look like every single day, uh, you would you would have a pretty boring life. You might as well shoot yourself, right? Because imagine if you knew what dinner you was going to have and what, you know, what your kids were going to look like and what was going to be yeah. like day, right? I think uncertainty is a great thing. Uh, and embracing uncertainty and enjoying the challenge of getting to those goals is what makes you alive. So that's really rounds off my whole message of going after something you want to go after because you will embrace it and you'll enjoy yeah. it and you'll be excited about the downsides and you'll be tackling them and you know you'll be laughing about them along the way there'll be points along your life that you'll feel that are the worst moments but a year later you'll be laughing about them whereas if you're following someone else's journey and you're climbing some ladder that's behind someone else and you've got someone else's agenda you're not going to do that you you you're probably not going to do that and you'll get yeah. to the end and you'll go i wish i did all the things that i wanted to do yeah yeah completely i think um I think that's spot on. Hopefully you guys got a lot from that. Uh, amazing, amazing insights there. Um, I'd love to hear, to kind of close close our interview off, um, I'd love to hear what you feel is the biggest mistake, apart from the sort of finances, the biggest mistake small business owners are making right now and and one, one tip that they could do to kind of rectify that. Okay. Um, the biggest mistake that I see a lot of businessmen, I'm not going to say all businessmen, I'm going to say a, a, a mistake that I see happening a lot is people focusing on, um, you know, creating business cards and creating a website and spending a lot of money on a business without having. So to simplify this answer, I guess, giving people what they think they need instead of what the actual people want. So mm. I see business owners creating amazing programs, right? And they'll spend hundreds of pounds on business cards and thousands of pounds on brochures and they'll put together this amazing program of what people really do need their audience really do need it right but the problem is the audience don't know they need it <laughs> they, yeah. they all they're thinking about is what they want and it's a very noisy world so look if you're a fitness instructor and i want to lose fat okay and you're telling me you've got to change your mind, you've got to change your whole lifestyle, you've got to change your, you know, your, your habits and your routine, you've got to get up early. I'm going to go, no, no way, mate. I want a six pack. <laughs> right? Now, I might need all those things, but telling me I need those instead of going, I'm going to help you get a six pack, right, is going to turn me away. <laughs> mm -hmm. Give me a six pack. Once I'm in, then tell me what I need to get the six pack, right? Yeah. Really marketing something that people don't know that they even need uh instead of telling giving them what they want and then giving them what they need is a massive massive problem with with a lot mm -hmm. of businesses that i see at the moment amazing brilliant brilliant insight completely agree with you there um as as someone who's an expert in the markets um you know a, a lot of, a lot of people watching this will be will be will be worried uh, you know quite right justified um, about the future. They'll be worried about, you know, where, how long this is going to go on for, what to expect over the next year or two years or three years. Is there any way you can shed some light and, and positivity um, for our audience? Um, worried about the, the future. Okay. So 
look, this is going to happen. We're going to have a recession on average once every decade. <laughs> uh, so from the market's perspective, what you want to be what you want to be doing is thinking much longer term, thinking in terms of we're always going to humans are always going to want to travel. Okay, so look, although the airlines have gone to put, they're going to be back. There's always going to there's always going to be a demand from human beings to of some kind. Therefore, there's always going to be a service to provide. The next thing you need to think about is so your spending is someone's income, and everyone's spending is someone's income. So this really comes down to service always wins. If you can think in terms of serving, you'll always do well. If you're out there trying to grab a buck and take and take, take, take for you, you're not going to get any, you're not going to get any money. You're not going to get any income. You might for a little while, but it won't be sustainable. So thinking about the long term and thinking about setting yourself up for a sustainable decade ahead is think in terms of service, think in terms of your lifestyle costs and think and then calculate what your lifestyle costs are and how much money you would need to bring in to cover those lifestyle costs and then and then work on these two things first of all make it as mobile as possible so whatever job or functional role you might have or whatever product that you've got try and make it as mobile as possible okay and then once it's mobile make it as passive as possible Lots of people have got this thing about passive income. If you're chasing passive income, you'll never get there. If you mm. do it in this step and you make it mobile first, then passive, you'll get there. And the difference between the two is mobile is space and passivity is time. Uh, the first thing you can do is, is make it mobile so you can do it from anywhere. And then the second thing is reduce it, delegate. Delegate everything that you don't want to do. Like anything that you sh feel like you should be doing, must do, or you know ought to be doing, write down all your list of things that you do and try and start delegating those three things and focus on the things that you want to do love to do and you know you're you really really feel a burning desire to get up and do and if you can do that and set a plan to do that over the next 10 years you're going to come out in a in a phenomenal uh, position in 10 years time amazing brilliant advice mate thank you so much and um Thank you so much for coming on. And um, what's the what's the best way for our guys to get in touch with you or, or listen or read more about what you do? Um, you can go and find me on all the social medias. So um, you know, Twitter, Jason Greystone, Facebook, Jason Greystone, and you can find me on Instagram, J underscore Greystone. But what I would recommend to everyone is if you just check out my podcast because that is uh, you understand a lot more about me why I did certain things and really the entire strategy of my life. Mm. Awesome. awesome. 234 five-star reviews I saw. Yeah. Yeah. About, about and one, and one, one third of you from one hater. It went to number one in three categories, which I was quite pleased with. And um, it's, it's, it's had amazing feedback, 240 reviews. Oh, it's called always free and you'll find it on all the, all the platforms. Guys, always free podcast. Check it out. Awesome podcast. Jason, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Take care. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.